something. We, we had a Christmas during the uh, uh, whole pandemic and things like that. And, and sometimes when things are different things, you make decisions you never thought you'd do. Have you guys ever made a decision thinking, I'll never do this, and then you would do something weird? I did that during the pandemic. We got a dog, okay? I, was, I am not a dog person. I never wanted a dog. It was never in my heart. Jordan was playing a trick on us. And, and thought it'd be funny to bring home this dog. And then, then my family fell in love with the dog and we had to keep the dog. So uh, there's people over here that I have to blame for that. But we'll talk after service. Okay, we're going to talk. But I'm just going to warn you now. Do not break into my house. Because this is what you're going to face if you break into my house. Okay. <laughs> he, he's going to tear you apart. I, I, I can sleep with ease now because I know that I've got this dude. Peter Barker is his name. Peter Barker's got my back. He is a superhero, okay? He's, he's got my back if anything happens. So it's like, so no, my family fell in love with him. I'm, I'm, you guys pray for me because uh, I think my wife loves that dog more than she loves me. And she says that doesn't, but now we, we go sit on the couch and she cuddles with him and I'm sitting over there like, that used to be me, you know? I was like, but, but God's working on her. We'll, we'll, we'll get through this, you know? You, you know, everybody goes through things. So crazy thing, um, Jordan, it turns 21, he gets a job up in Hilliard. He's a big shot now. And he moved out of our house. And my, my, my oldest son, that means I'm getting old, okay? I'm getting old and I'm, I'm so proud of him. Life changes, all these things happen. My baby girl, Morgan, is about to get a car. She's got her permit. She's talking about going car shopping. I'm like, you can't do that. You're my baby. It's, it's like, your baby girl should not be shopping for a car. Anybody that's been through that needs to give me some advice because I'm struggling with this a little bit. <clears throat> Logan graduated this past year, and, uh, <clears throat> or last year, and we had, it was hard because he had a cough. Well, when you, when you have a cough, it's like, you don't have a cough. I don't care if it's just a regular cough during COVID. Okay, you just like, it's like you have the plague or something. You know, nobody wants to be around you. So we were trying to get him through graduation, we just wanted this to happen. So we, we had the vaporizer growing. We had the teas. We had the cough drops. We had all this. We took him to the doctor. They said he doesn't have anything. He's just got to work through this. And we're like panicking. Like, we're like, Logan, you just got to hold in this cough to get through this. Well, we made it through graduation. And then a couple of weeks later, he was working in the sound booth, which he's up there right now doing that. He was up there working up, up in there and pushing the buttons for the audio and the visual, all this stuff to happen. And he passed out. And we're like, they came and got me, and I had no idea. And I said, well, maybe, maybe his blood sugar dropped. And he didn't have problems, but maybe this was the introduction to something like that, that the blood sugar dropped or whatever. And so they said, well, we tried to take him to get checked out. When another appointment, another appointment, then we found out, and a lot of you guys know this already, that my son has a cancer mass in his chest that was pushing on his heart, causing this. And I know a lot of you know this, but man, God's done a lot to teach me things through that. Here's the thing. Through all of the course of those weeks that we were leading up to that, I was trying to fix the side effects of something that I didn't know was a problem. Cough drops weren't going to fix the problem. Vaporizers in his room and teas and all this other stuff that we tried to do wasn't the fix. He, he didn't need sugar to boost his, uh, you know, his sugar count. He didn't need all that. There was an internal problem that was causing things that was like tearing him apart from the inside. But I didn't know that. I started realizing that that is the same problem that we have in life today. We have all these side effects. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Man, I'm, 
I can't connect to my kids anymore. And man, there's, there's the issue with rebellion. And man, I've got this anger problem. I, I lose my cool and I, I blow up and then I don't know how to relate to my wife. And she gets distant or we're contemplating divorce or all, all these issues. And then we cope with things. We cope with alcohol. We cope with drugs. We cope with, with, with sex and popularity. And we, we have this thing that we struggle with today about our identity. I want to be liked. I want to be followed on social media. I want to be accepted and man, the spiritual warfare that happens where if I don't feel accepted, man, young people go into this thing of like cutting and, and depression and stuff. I'm not trying to bring us down. I'm just, here, here's the thing. When we said real stories today, guys, we have got to stop doing the facades. Stop coming in here like we have it all together. If, you're, if you came here and you're a perfect person, you found the wrong church. I hear, I'm here to tell you this because we all have issues. We all have issues, Okay. Everybody on this stage, everybody in the audience, we all have issues. But here's the problem. We go after the side effects rather than understanding the root of the issue. Here, here's, here's where I have to start with. We get so excited about the resurrection and, man, Jesus Christ died on the cross and praise God for that. He said it is finished. Amen. And we sing the songs and we clap and they buried him. Three days later, he came out and praise God for that. We celebrate that. Why? What did all that mean? What, what was the whole point of that? Why do Christians stand up and celebrate the fact that he came out of the grave? What does it mean? I want to tell you what it means. See, the Bible gives us this verse, and he says, Wherefore, by one man's sin, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. See, the root of the problem with Logan was not what we thought. And the root of the problem with us is not what we think. You're so mad at your spouse or upset with your kids. Or you're upset with your in-laws and all this other stuff. And at the root of it, we all have the same sickness and sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It, it, it's, it, it's sin is anything that goes against God. It's the evil of this world. It's what separates us from God. I hate to admit it, we all deny it. We say, well, I don't have that problem. That, that's the thing that we do. None of us were sitting there saying, I know what the problem was with Logan. Man, we don't even want to think that way. But the Bible is very clear. He says in Romans 6, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If we're here today and you're breathing, I, I hate to tell you this, you've got a sin problem because we've all got a sin problem. That's how we can get so irritated. You can be driving down the road on a date night, having the best time, and somebody cuts you off, and you're like, ah, you're just, you just lose your cool all of a sudden. You're flipping them off and cussing, and it's like, we, we just turn, it's our flesh turns over. Man, we get upset and vent on Facebook, and like, uh, you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you probably argued on the way to church today. How dare you? You know, it's like going to worship our resurrected Savior, and you argued all the way to church. You know why? Sin. We all have sin. We all have this issue where we struggle with this in our lives. And the Bible says we all have it. We lie, we cheat, we, are exagger we exaggerate, we're stubborn. And I hate to tell you this too, but it's just part of it. And it says in, uh, in James 1.15, he says this, in sin, says, it's just like this. He says, is it in sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. The sin that's in our life will not just go away. It's not going to just one day and be like, oh, I'm all free from it. No, sin 
has an agenda, puts you on a course, it destroys one day, one part problem at a time. That addiction that we have, that problem that we have, that anger that we have, that, that depression that we have, it just, it just it brings about death. It destroys. It destroys marriages and relationships. It destroys families and reputations. That addiction doesn't just go away. I wish it did. Wouldn't that be great if we just woke up? Oh, everything's better. It doesn't work that way. When it is finished, it runs its course. So let's, let's be real. Let's face the root of the issue. You know, I, 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 want, I want to share with you and illustrate this as we go. These are real stories that testify of the real power of sin in our lives. So when I was growing up, I, I went to church all the time, only known Catholic church and we went to mass. And my family's super religious. I actually became part of the, um, uh, I was like an altar boy. And that relationship with the church was cool, but that's again, just what I knew. It morphed into with time uh, that I should consider seminary. And so, you know, when I was graduating high school, I actually got to meet with the, um, the bishop of like our, or whatever, the part of our country and stuff. And started actually went to seminary a couple of times to like, you know, play soccer and whatever. Um, and I really considered it, um, but went to college instead. So that was good. Almost also went in the military. And uh, I went to school, I was pretty young. I think I was 16 when I went to school. That's not that uncommon in Venezuela. But you know what, what does a 16 and a half year old, you know, do when they go to college? Not study, that's, <laughs> that's what I did. I played guitar, um, learned to play some other sports, partied, just did, you know, just occupied my time and, and my energy on things of the world, right? So, you know, the parties, the alcohol, girls, all the, all the unnecessary stuff that now I know, you know, wasn't good, but I just, that's just what I did. I didn't have God in my life. Growing up, my mom was a single mom um, and we struggled in so many areas. Financially, uh, there were many times where, you know, we had water turned off, uh, bills weren't paid just because, you know, she struggled with drugs at the time. Um, she struggled with mental health, such as depression. Uh, growing up, we didn't really know God. Like, we, we knew God, but we didn't have a truly understanding with Him, uh, of Him. Uh, and then one day, my aunt finally wore my mom down and asked her one last time, like, hey, will you come to church with me? And surprisingly, my mom came. Um, and it was like a complete transformation. As you know, like, Christ only needs a couple of moments with you to transform your life. So that day she got saved. Um, she dedicated her life to the Lord. It literally was like a 360. We went from barely going to church to like every single time the doors were open, we were always there. Fast forward a couple of years, uh, my mom got around kind of the wrong type of friends again and kind of like uh, brought her further from God. And we kind of went right back into the same cycle, you know, like struggle for drugs off and on and on. I have another aunt that lives in Ohio, and my aunt said, why don't you come here? You can come to church with us, you know, get your life back on track. You don't need to be there. So we uprooted ourselves from Maryland to Ohio. Um, and I think we went to the church maybe like two or three times and that was it, right? It was just kind of like, okay, well, that's something we used to do. We're not going to do it anymore. Um, my mom still wanted us to have faith in God, but she didn't always actively practice it. 
So uh, fast forward to when I was 11, uh, there was this uh, little kid in the neighborhood that invited my brother to church. And he sold the package to my brother like, okay, they give away tons of candy. You get to learn about God, but you get tons and tons of candy. That was like the highlight of his day. So my brother went, he liked it. He came back and he invited me. I went and Again, I can't describe everything that happened, but it was like a welcoming feeling when I came to FBC. Um, people genuinely cared. They were they were happy, like serving God, and I I hadn't saw that in a while. And I think for me, like I always wanted to have a relationship with God, but I didn't really understand it all. But I just knew, like mm, my life, you know, even at 11, like I knew that I was missing something. We got together in high school, our junior year. He had just turned 17. I was getting ready to turn 17. I had dabbled in smoking pot in high school. He had already done it. So when we got together and moved out, like we were doing that kind of on a regular basis. And then I ended up at 22 getting pregnant with our first daughter and I quit the smoking pot at that point um and then I hurt my back I was working as a nursing assistant I hurt my back and I got prescribed um oxycodone and I got prescribed way more than what I needed so the both of us were taking it because we would do that on occasion on the weekends it took off pretty bad from there my mom ended up that she was going take, to take custody, take Bryn from us. So we ended up giving custody to my mom. Once we did that, it went, it went pretty bad. It went south. Um, we got introduced to heroin, and we at first we were like, "No, we're never doing this. No, we're not putting a needle in our arm. Yeah. Like, are you crazy?" Because we thought we were like better because we did yeah. pills and not heroin. Yeah. And then somebody said, it's pretty much the same thing. And you don't have to put a needle in your arm. You can smoke it. We started selling everything we owned, including my wedding ring, TVs, furniture, title of a car. We um, stole from our stole parents. From, yeah. By that point, our families pretty much disowned us. Didn't want anything to do yeah. with us. We couldn't um, even go on the properties. Most of them because they were afraid we would steal something mm. if we did come over because it had happened so many times. We used to walk to the speedway and try to steal like a bag of chips or something. And that's what we'd eat. And we had nobody, like it was just us. Sin is powerful. I, we wouldn't want to say that, would we? You know what I'm saying? Like sin is so powerful, it is. Sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. It's whole, it has a whole agenda. If it gets a hold of your life and it did all the way back from Adam, it's, we're born into it. You don't have to look for it. Our, our kids are born crying for no reason at all. It's just their sin nature. It's like, I want attention. We're just, we're born into sin. Every single one of us. The, the, the best part about this is, and that, that's the whole reason we're here celebrating Easter, is God was not okay with it. When, when they called us and, and uh, Jenny called me and I was in uh, marriage counseling with a couple and, and, and my phone kept ringing and I answered and she goes, they just found a mass in Logan's chest, and they said that it might be cancer. 
I got up and I sprinted down to the hospital and we walked in there and they were about to schedule a CT and our world and emotions were going all crazy and things. And the doctor came in and he shows us all these scans and stuff like this and he said, it's really, really bad. What do you think my reaction was as a dad? I was like, well, we've got dinner plans and like, you know, you know I, no, no way. I, I, I rose up and I was like, whatever it takes, I, I don't care what it takes because the thing is I love my son and I want that out of my son. I, I don't care if we have to fly somewhere. I don't care if I have to sell my house. I don't care what we do have to do. I want it out to my son. Do you realize that the whole point is when we're born in sin and it's inside of us, God in his great love for us said, I want it out. I want it out. He loves you the same way that I love Logan. But he hates sin the same way that I hate cancer. Do you, we've, we've got to get the right picture of that and say, well, God hates me. No, 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 no. God loves you. He hates the disease that we have that causes all these symptoms that we have. God knew that the wages of sin is death. Let me explain that. It's physical and spiritual. The the, the sin of this world, I mean, there's sickness and cancer and illnesses of all sorts. It's just in our world when we're, we're born and then we die. But the Bible also talks about that sin separates us. When Adam and Eve sinned because God was a holy, righteous God, it put a separation between them and God. You say, why is that possible? Because God is a holy, righteous God. God, God who knew no sin. He yet doesn't have sin in his life. You, people wonder why there's hell. And I mean, like, oh, he's in Easter service. going to mention hell. I have to mention hell. Hell was created for Satan and sin and the demons. It was not created for us. It was God's way of like, man, I'm going to throw all of it. And you read in Revelation. I'm going to cast it out and get rid of it. When we took sin into our lives, now that we have that, that cancer, that sickness in our life, that put us on a destination for hell. And God's like, why would God sing in hell? Whoa, whoa, stop. God is trying to rescue us from the sin in our lives because we have a disease that he knows is going to destroy. It's called sin. The wages of sin is death. We've got to understand this. So here's a plot twist. I love plot twists. I love when he's like, man, I didn't see that coming. Here's the Easter story that we didn't see coming. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But, it's like, okay, something cool is about to happen. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, we sometimes overemphasize the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And we know that. We see that. We see the side of it. But the gift of God... And we've got to understand what the gift of God is. The gift is what God extends to us every Easter, every, every year, every day. He's extending this gift to us that we can have. God loved us so much. And sometimes we get, we get over John 3.16. We see it at the ball games and everybody holding it up. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So here's the but, okay. God stepped out of heaven to step into our world to deal with our problem. He came to do what I could not do for Logan. I, I'd love to take Logan's place. I have no resources and ability in my life to be able to take his place. But God was able to come and take my place. See, I want you to, I want you to look at the Easter story a little different this time. If you guys don't mind, I, I want to I kind of talk through it for the next few minutes. And the crucifixion and resurrection, I want to give you another view or another perspective of this. This is it. As we talk through this, I want you to get this. His story is my story. Or you could put it like this. His story is your story. 
And we, we get so disconnected sometimes as we watch the Easter things pro, uh, come out in the trial and going before Pilate and all this other stuff. Wow, look at everything that Jesus is going through. Well, sometimes we don't understand with it. But let me illustrate. You say, what do you mean his story is my story? 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he hath made him to be sin for us. Did you get it? He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made in the righteousness of God. Now, we understand this principle if we were watching a Buckeye game or something like that. The coach on the sideline sees somebody in there, and he's, he, he's worn out, he's injured or hurt or whatever, and he says, hey, come here, time out! And then they were like, pull that player out, and they put the other one in. Substitution! I've got somebody else, somebody else comes in, okay? It's like paying tribute, okay? It's like I, I have somebody else stepping in, in their place, Somebody else steps in and takes their place, and that's what's going on. When God saw that the wages of sin is death, and there's no good in me that could fix it, our God that loved us so much was like, stop! Substitution. God stepped out of heaven and came into our world in the form of Jesus Christ's son to take our place. With this thing in mind, think about this. Judas was betrayed, betrayed Jesus in the garden. They come and arrest him, and Jesus doesn't fight back. And like, wait, wait a minute, dude. Why didn't you fight back? You're innocent. They take him before Pilate. As I'm talking about that, I want you to look at this picture right here, okay? This is, this is from the movie. This is not Jesus, okay? Some of you said, I told Jesus at church today. This is just from a movie. But that was Jesus on trial. Everybody around them was screaming out for his death and for him to die. And like, man, he's guilty and all this. other. And we get so riled up with that. And we say, wow, he was innocent. Why didn't Jesus yell out? Why didn't Jesus like, I'm innocent. I'm, I'm God. I could strike him all dead. But the Bible says that he opened not his mouth. And you say, why didn't he do that if he was innocent? Can I drop kind of a truth bomb on you that you might not have thought of this? Honestly, in that situation, Jesus was not innocent. Because that's me. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for me. You see, he stepped in to be judged for me. He took my place. You see, he wasn't sitting there just saying, I'm the son of God. You know, he was a sacrificial lamb saying, in his mind, and I know you say you're reading into this, in that mind was me. He, he's literally thinking that I'm dying for Tony. And in that minute, in that moment of him doing that, he literally was taking on the sins of me as they were saying he's guilty. He was saying God's not guilty, but Tony is. I'm going to take his place. So bring on the judgment, bring on the screaming, and bring on everything because of the fact is I've come to take his place. It changes our perspective of this. Remember, for he that made him to be sin for us. That was Jesus taking my place to be sin for us. He was taking my guilt, my shame. His story is my story. The Easter story is Jesus in my place. He became flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was carrying my guilt and my pain and my shame. So whatever you're thinking right now, I'm saying, man, I'm glad nobody here knows everything that I've done, man. And we're all glad of that. But you realize that in that situation, everything you've ever done that nobody knows about, that your parents don't know about, your spouse doesn't know about, everything, every guilt and shame and deceitful thing we've ever done was put on Jesus Christ. He carried our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He did all of this because he went to the cross because the cross 
Think about this. The cross is a picture of us. So how is that? Well, remember the substitution. The wages of sin is death. I had a sickness in me that was going to lead to that. Maybe not physical of the cross, but spiritually speaking, I, had not, I could never be innocent to get myself out of that position. But substitution, Jesus came in my place because of the wages of sin is death. Get this visual and say, man, life is so hard and sin is so rough and it tears me apart. And God says, yeah, I know. That's, that's the visual of sin. That's what it looks like. It's rejection. It's shame. All the things that, you know, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, what, it, what was the first thing they do? What do we do when we sin? We hide. We cover it up. We delete our history. We try to cover up our sin. We run, whatever. When somebody is on trial and they're convicted of a crime and they walk out of the courthouse, what do they do? They flip up their hoodie and they're trying to block their face from that because they're guilty. Man, it's embarrassing. The Bible says that Jesus took our shame. Everything you've done that nobody knows about, he took that shame upon himself. They stripped him, mocked him, spit on his face. You know why? He's taken my place. He was the substitution. Every single day we feel the side effects of sin. We struggle with this in the life and we say it's so hard. And man, I've heard this so many times. So many people say this. I just can't. Here's what I'm saying. Maybe you said this this week. Man, just like you push your bills aside. It's just, man, I just can't do this. You slam the door after talking to your spouse. You go, man, I just can't do this. You talk on the phone and you're dealing with your kids and just, man, God, I just can't do this. I'm tired. I'm so worn out. I'm so frustrated. And we try and we try. It's not a lack of us trying. You guys know it's like, man, I'm trying to be a good dad. I'm trying to be a provider. I'm trying so hard to do this. The problem is we still have sin in our lives. We are not dealing with this. The Bible says, for when we were yet without strength in due time, he died for the ungodly. When I had no ability and no more go and no more good deeds and nothing that I could do, you keep trying. I can't climb out of this pit. I can't fill this void. I can't get over this hump. I can't do it. God stepped in and God commended his love toward us in that why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He was driven by love. The same way that I'm driven by love every single time that I figure out a way that I can help my son. Every time me and Jenny are trying to figure out what to do next, you say, why do you do this? Why do you spend the nights at the hospital? Why do you pay so much? Why do you travel so much? Why do you do all this? Because I love him that much. God showed his love toward us. So yes, The wages of sin is death. But the Easter story is but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, let me just explain. The gift of God is God going on trial so I wouldn't have to stand in judgment. It was God taking on all the punishment, all the shame, and all the guilt. It was God saying substitution and he put me out of the way of that judgment on that day and he stepped in and went before Pilate and said, give it to me. Lay it on me, spit in my face, yell in my face, take the shame, rip my clothes off, hang me on the cross, all that. It was Jesus in my place. This is why stories, your story and their story and my story can experience real change. This is why our stories can encounter real hope. Because he died to give us hope. 
I was around about 16, we went to this youth conference. Um, and remind you, up to this point, I'm still learning about God. I'm going through the motions. I really hadn't truly experienced him for myself, right? The youth pastor at the time, he was preaching in the service and he was talking about, you know, knowing for sure that you're, if you would die today, you would go to heaven and hell. And I didn't know that, but I was afraid to admit that because like I said, you know, from 11 to 16, that's five years I was going through the motions and, you know, it kind of seemed like I would have it all together, but I didn't. And I remember uh, saying, okay, the next night he does an altar call, I'll get up and accept the Lord. But night one went by, night two went by, still nothing. And then I saw a friend of mine who everybody would have thought that this person was saved and she came forward. So I told myself, I was like, if she can be bold about it, surely I can. Um, so that night I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Um, and it felt good being real and being honest. Like, okay, listen, I know I was missing something. I know on the outside looking in, I, it seemed like everything was going good, but there was still a, a missing piece. So I did about three years of, of uh, college in Venezuela. I came here to the United States. And I completely, at that point, didn't even go to church anyway. And then through music, I've been a musician for a long time as, as a hobby. I met my wife, uh, Abigail, who goes to fellowship. And she'd been going to fellowship since uh, she was a, a kid. And she introduced me to Tony. You know, the first thing he said after good to meet you, he said, do you know where you'd go if you died today? I was like, okay, yeah, I, I think so. Like I had a cross hanging on my neck. I was like, yeah, like I believe in Jesus. Like I, you know, I have him hanging on my neck. I think I'm going to have, I, don't, I didn't know that I was supposed to have a relationship with Christ. So that made me think. Then, you know, I got married, kept going to church. Um, and then we had a bunch of things that were all lined up for, for us to start making some like super major changes. They all fell apart, like within a day, within an hour, everything fell apart. And I called my business partner, Ryan, and it's like, hey dude, this is what's happening, boom, boom, boom. Like it's, it's just not, you know, I don't think, you know, my world could end today, basically. And um, got like three or four phone calls and everything just lined up. It was a bunch of like family stuff, uh, work, just spiritual, everything, everything. Um, and I was, I just, I was so excited, I laid. So I called Ryan again and said, hey bro, this was happening, everything is good, blah, blah, blah. And he on the phone, he literally said, dude, don't you feel like you were just born again? And he literally used those words. And when he said that, I felt something I've never, never felt it again in my life, ever. I literally just said, dude, I have, I have to hang up. And he said, okay, you know what you have to do? Repent, ask Jesus in your life. And I said, yeah. And I hung up the phone and I, I remember as I at my old office, um, I got on my knees and I repented. I, I asked Jesus to come in my life and to save me. I would pray, like I just started praying every night, you know, for God to like pull us out of this. And, you know, like, I mean, I think we, we, we both prayed on and off through mm -hmm. those, those six years for him to pull us out. But I think there was times where we got to the point to where we were praying and we were thinking like we were just going to wake up and he was going to, it was going to be like, over. oh, well, you're healed. Yeah. But that's you know, like everything's case. over. But obviously in reality, it wasn't gonna be like that. So but I had OD'd a couple times too. Yeah, and as crazy as that is, we're in the hospital when he OD'd and we still went out and mm -hmm. that's the only thing we could think of was how are we gonna get money to get more? But one night we were laying there and I don't know. I mean, I know it was real. Like it was definitely somebody talking. 
I heard God tell me just to come back home. <laughs> we woke up the next day and he told me about the dream that he had. God had answered, this was the answer to our prayers. And that God had spoke to him and told him that he was telling him it was time for us to come home. This blows our mind. Why would God do this? I, we, we visualize God being this God upstairs that we've got to run from and he's got a club. And people say all the time, like, if I went in the church, the roof would fall in. I've been so bad. And we've got this idea, this complex that we've got to run from God when God is running after us. It, he loves you. He created you. We're, we're, he wants you to be his child. He wants you to have you in his life. I mean, that, that's the God that we serve. And we're running from the very one that's trying to save us and rescue us from all these problems that we have in our life. And we keep dealing with it and falling and tripping and saying, why am I going through this? And God's reaching out going, let me help you. We were created by God and for God to have God in our life. And we're trying to stumble through life because it's so mad. And you know what it does? Satan messes with us so bad to the point where we almost get mad at God. Like, where is God? And God's saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. But we've got this thing in our mind that we're trying to run from God because God's mad at us. Can I read that verse again? It's so powerful. But God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can I, can I emphasize the second part of that? In while we were yet sinners, he died for us. We have this idea, well, if I could straighten up and get my act together and if I could be this and do that and be all righteous and all this. And God said, no, I died for you while you had needle marks in your arm. I died for you when you were having an affair. I died for you when you had a rap sheet. I, I, I died for you when you were rebellious and running the other way. I died with, for you when you had nothing to give to me and I had everything to give to you and I still died for you. It's not about you trying to level up to God. It's about you admitting that you can't level up to God. We try to make it all about our good deeds and going to church, and I better be better, and I do good deeds, and yeah, somebody would, if you die today, would you go to heaven? I hope so. How do you know that? I try to be a good person. If you could just be a good person, he would not have had to die. He would have just came and said, be a good person and hope you make it. It's not scales in heaven. It's being born into the family of God by accepting the gift that he gave us. That's what changes everything in our lives. He loves us while we were yet sinners. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 too, he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. We look at that cross picture and we're thinking, How, why would he do that? The joy that was set before him was you. I, I get it. If, and I know I, I'm, I almost feel sorry that I keep using this illustration. It just consumes me. If I could take Logan's place, I would, I would sign the papers and do it with joy in a heartbeat. You know why? Because the joy that I would get out of seeing him redeemed from the problem that he had, I'd step into his place in a heartbeat. I can't, but he could. For he knew no sin. He was innocent, so he could come and take my place. If he was guilty, it would be guilty for guilty. He's not going to switch anything out. We are the joy that is set before him because he came to take our place. I'm talking about real hope because Satan has so many lies, so many deceptions about this. 
When we think about the fact that Jesus died on the cross, one of the things that blows my mind is such a cool illustration was the fact that he died between two thieves. Have you guys ever thought how cool that was? One accepted him and one rejected him. You guys know this story. The one was like, if you be the Christ, come off the cross. The other one was saying, haven't you realized that this man has done nothing wrong? Do you know why that is so powerful in that illustration? Because I'm going to ask you this. What did that thief on the cross ever do for Jesus? What did he ever do for Jesus? He's literally dying for being a criminal. And you know what Jesus said to him because he believed on Jesus? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. You know why that? Because he believed on Jesus, not because he jumped off the cross and went and did some good. He didn't jump off the cross and run to a baptism. He didn't jump off the cross and go give to the poor. All he did was believe on Jesus Christ. We complicate this. The Bible says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart. Do you remember when I said it, we deal with the side effects, but God wants to deal with the issue? And a lot of times if we're dealing with the cough, but not realizing that there's an inner issue that's making the problems, God was saying, what I'm trying to do is help you to understand that it's with the heart that man makes a change. It's with the heart that man believes under righteousness. If you believe that he died and that he rose again, it's just believing in what he gave. It's believing in the gift. When you're headed to the trial and Jesus said, I'll take your place, and we're sitting there saying, no, I've got this. I don't need you in my life. Then you stand guilty before God because you shoved him out of your way. Then we stand before God going, why would you send me to hell? And God's saying, you wouldn't let me take your place. You stood there guilty because you would not accept the substitute when Jesus came to die for us. See, it's as simple as this. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why does Satan work so hard to complicate this? It's like, I'm Baptist, I'm this, and I go to church, and I grew up this, and my dad was a deacon, and I never, I was like, oh, none of that will matter when you get to heaven. Only one thing, whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Remember the rest of the story, Jesus died on the cross So think about this. Take the visual. His story is my story. So my sin that made me guilty, all my guilt, all my shame, all my past, all my addictions, everything that I have was crucified. You know, put it like this. My sin was put to death, nailed to the cross. All of those things was nailed to the cross. And I died with Jesus, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. They came and they took Jesus off the cross and they carried him to a tomb, and they buried Jesus there. Think about what that symbolism there, what, that, what they're doing. That's where you put dead things. That is where the sin was dealt with, and God was saying, let me, let me finish the story, Tony. You're old man. The sin that you have in your life, yeah, it, was, it died, and then I buried it so that it can't hurt you anymore. I buried it to mean that your past is gone. I buried it because that's the old man of who you used to be. Remember, follow the story all there. Your past sins paid for, dealt with, died on the cross and buried to where it can't touch you anymore. That's what God did. The Bible says this. We are buried with him by baptism unto death. Say, I wasn't there spiritually speaking. I was. If I accept the substitution, that means that he was time out. Bury his past. And the Bible says the rest of that verse is this. Like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. His story is my story because my old man, my debt, that which was going to drag me to hell, died on the cross with my God. 
It was buried in that tomb, and it did not come out, but Jesus Christ came out showing the victory over death, hell, and the grave. That is the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. That's the gift. That is what God did. But I love how the Bible emphasizes this. Newness of life. You know what God did for every one of these people? Like, man, let me tell you, I didn't deserve this. But God gave me a fresh start. God gave me my family back. God put me back together. God did, God did, God did, God did. It's not a matter about you doing it because you're exhausted and you can't do it. It's about what God did. God came out of the tomb because he was greater than sin. He was greater than death. It's not just hope for heaven. It's hope for life. It's not just that that, that old man was died and, and the new man came out for heaven. The old man came out and a new daddy came out of that tomb to give me life in this earth. See, Jesus puts things back together. Jesus gives and repairs what sin destroys. A couple of months after I got saved, I found out my mom had got addicted to drugs again. And it was, uh, you know, real heavy stuff like uh, cocaine. Uh, and it completely crushed me. I remember asking God, like, why? Like, why me? And I was so upset with God. Like, I just, I just couldn't believe it. And I remember um, 16, I had to work, like I was working like a full-time schedule just to kind of help my mom with ends meet because to me it felt like the weight of the world on my shoulders. And I remember praying and praying and pleading and pleading um, and God never came through in that situation how I wanted him to. And it was in that valley that I really built a strong relationship with God. I really had to lean on him. And I said, okay, if you won't, take this from me, you just gotta help me through it. So she was able to, you know, get herself clean. Um, and it was nothing but God, all God. Um, I think we gotta remember that God never promised it would be easy. He never promised that. But he promised that he will always be there for you. He said, I am with you, I am for you, you can trust me. You know, when, when we walked, when we first walked into his house, it looked beautiful on the outside, it was awesome. But we knew it was, you know, 200 years old. so it needed some work. This wall here, that wall there. So it's transformation. That's what God does with us. Um, and he transformed my life, literally. Literally, I mean, everything, everything we have now, our health, our family, our, our awesome uh, three little boys, like that's, that's all God. That's, um, man, I'm sorry. Yeah, after being back there and having a dream, of God telling me to come back home. Um, the next day, obviously, I went to Maryland. She went off to rehab. We got back together in Maryland at my buddy's house. And then she got pregnant with Briley. Getting pregnant with her was like the biggest thing for us to stay clean. God has worked in our life and blessed us in so many different ways. And today, like, I he mean, has a I good got job. A career, job. I'm able to stay you home know, with the kids. She's able to stay home. We're able to sleep in our own house. We purchased our first home. We had our third daughter. We got, yeah, three daughters now. <laughs> um, I know I couldn't never done any of this without, you know, God, there's no way. I've, when I play music now, well, 99% of the time I'm playing the worship team. That's transformation, right? I'm not 
playing music at bars like I, like I used to every weekend, three times a week. Um, that transformation that happened, it's, it's all because of God. It's all because of Christ. I would say anything to anyone, it will be that Christ is enough. He is enough today, yesterday, tomorrow. That problem you faced in the past, the problem you're going to face, that sickness, that mental health, the financial issues, um, the marriage issues, God is enough. But He will only be enough if you allow Him to be. I mean, I was gone pretty much while I was dead and there's only one reason why I'm still sitting here today and that's that's God and I know it is the gospel is so powerful I feel bad. You guys walked in the Easter service and I started bragging about the power of sin and sin when it is finished, it brings forth death. But something happened. Sin met my Savior and it met something greater than itself. On the cross, sin met who Jesus was. Can I introduce you to these guys? This is Victor. He stands up today. And this dude is over here playing guitar. He's part of our church plant now because God transformed his life. Not because of the good deeds that you did it, not because of the religion that you had, but because of relationship in Jesus Christ. Surely I remember when you first started coming as just a little girl. And I remember all the things that she was growing and growing and growing. You had setbacks and opposition, but man, she had Jesus all along the way. It's amazing what we can handle in life when we have Jesus on our side. And she said it all through the whole testimony that she was talking about. The power of Jesus. It was Jesus. It was God. So powerful. I'll, I'll tell you, he's like, by the way, we're not big shots. You know why she, he's over there playing guitar and you're up here singing on the stage? Because we're sinners saved by grace, bragging on what God's done for us. It's not a matter of, uh, we've, we've not arrived we're not arrived whatsoever. We're, we're just one beggar telling another beggar where we found the bread. That's all we're doing. That's who we are. This is Jesse and Allie. You guys heard their testimony. I've known these guys since the time I've been at Fellowship, 22 years. I, I can just be real, right? I can be real because what's, that's what we're doing. They came into my office years ago. Do you guys remember that? You sat across from me. You guys were shaking because you were, you, you were going through withdrawals during that time. You were trying to get clean. They, they'd lost everything. Everything was a wreck and all this. And I, I didn't have anything to say. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to help you guys. I felt so helpless. But see, I couldn't help you, but God did. God did for you what we could not do for ourselves. Jesse said this to me. He said, just let them know. Let them know this. Tell them never, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give it up. I don't care how deep you are in addiction. I don't care what sin has done to drag you down. I don't care if you've lost your family. You guys lost your family. Where do, you, where do your kids live today? They live with you in your house now. You know why? Because Jesus puts lives back together. That's what God does. That's what God does. Uh, if you guys want to know where their family is, it, it's a little obvious right there because this is what God does. God, God transforms the whole family and does this through the power of God. You say, how is this even possible? Oh, I've got a verse that wraps this all up. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, 
Victor, Jesse, Ali, Shirley. If any man be in Christ, oh, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. They're buried. Behold, all things have become new. He sit there and say, oh, so you guys get up there and you think you're all righteous and perfect. Not righteous and perfect, just forgiven. Just forgiven. So here's the thing. I told you their story. I want to know your story. Where are you at? I'm so sick of playing games. I'm so sick of Satan winning. I'm so sick of families going through issues and divorce and being ripped apart. I'm so tired of our kids trying to find their identity in this world and they cut themselves and deal with depression. I'm so sick of dads having to cope with life because they have to go out and get drunk to deal with life. I'm so tired of our generation that has to smoke pot to deal with the depression in our lives. You see, God is greater than the issues of this world. God is greater than the problems of this world. The problem is, is we keep stiff-arming God and pushing him away when the thing that we need most is God in our lives. We need Jesus. These guys are living to proof and living testimonies of what God can do. But I'll tell you, it's not because of the good works or playing guitar or raising your family in church or singing on the worship team. It's because they came to the point in their life where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. I'm telling you this. You can hate me for this, but I'm going to tell you the truth because I'd rather you know now than in the day of judgment. One day you're going to stand before God. And it's either going to be Jesus in your place or it will be you. If it's Jesus in your place, it means that you claim the blood of Jesus Christ while you live. If it is you, you're condemned because you never did anything to cover your sin. Go back to that trial picture that I was talking about earlier. Before, if it's not Jesus, it's you. And by the way, you are guilty. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But he was made sin for us. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the only way to receive that gift, I'm telling you, the only way, the only way to receive that gift of salvation is by doing what the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and this is what we all did, and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is how it happens. Stop making it about other stuff. Stop saying, well, if I can get baptized, if I get back in church, and God's saying right from your seat where you're at, if you would just claim the substitution and accept Jesus Christ for what he did. It's as simple as this. Here's the gospel. You ready for this? For whosoever to call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, rescued, redeemed, pulled out of the pit, change of heart, not just a change of the symptoms. We've got to stop pampering the symptoms and start getting to the root of the issue of what God did for us on the cross. I'm looking for people right now that you just say, I'm sick of this. Man, I, I, I'm not asking you to find religion. I'm not asking you to sign up to be a Baptist. I'm not asking you to give in the offering. I'm not, I'm not even mentioning anything like that. I'm talking about, do you realize or come to the place in your life where you acknowledge that you're a sinner? And by the way, we all are sinners. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Your good will never outweigh your bad. Your church attendance will never justify your sin to get you into heaven. Never, ever. But when you say that I know that I'm a sinner, then you have to do the second part. You have to receive the substitute because he stepped into our place, but that is a gift. You have to receive the gift. You say, how do I do that right now in your seat? Not out loud, 
You can do it out loud, but it doesn't, it's not for a show or, or, or a demonstration. And I say this to anybody watching right now online. I don't, I don't care if you're in your car right now, or you're working right now, if you're on your couch right now, I don't care where you're at. Here's the truth. Jesus is coming back. The only hope for our, our, our souls is Jesus Christ, and he's offering you the gift. So I challenge you to pray right now. Not for show. I'm not asking you to do anything, but bow your heads and pray. Say, just dear God, I want the gift. I want what you did for me on the cross because I know I'm a sinner. I know I fall short. And I know all my good deeds is never going to be good enough to get me into heaven. So God, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to save me. I ask God for you to do what I could not do for myself because I don't have enough good deeds or anything in my life to ever be good enough. So God, I ask you to save my soul and change my life.